0: Hey, welcome to the Knowles 24-7 Podcast. This is Brendan Sinone, and I'm in charge of making sure Chris nee isn't miserable today.
1: I'm in a I, good place.
0: Uh, so the, the last podcast that we had, and, and guys, thanks for listening. Uh, if you have a few seconds, five-star reviews on iTunes, please don't make me beg. I'll beg. Uh, Chris got multiple text messages, including from family members. <laughs> I got text messages from, from uh, listeners of the podcast that... Uh, and friends that, that wanted to know if Chris was okay because he just sounds so da- downtrodden. And you know, a part of this podcast, I, what I like about doing it, uh, even though it's time-consuming and we don't get a whole lot out of it um, and get criticized for it a lot too. But I, I'm not we in my feelings. We don't get criticized. <laughs> you get
1: criticized.
0: All right, go uh, ahead. Part of what I like about doing it is that it gives us a chance to kind of freelance a little bit and not stick to the script of being on the message board or, or writing everything down. We get to kind of riff a little bit here. And I want to do a better job of being transparent. And this is what I'm going to do today is explain why Chris was down a little bit. I'm going to give him a chance to kind of go through his feelings from last week. And, and I think those feelings are still applicable after Florida State's coming off of a, another blowout loss. This time it's to Notre Dame. It's 42-13 on Saturday in a, in a game where FSU isn't really competitive by the time the, the third quarter is, uh, is done. So Third quarter? I mean, at halftime, you know, yeah. okay. They made a little run there in the third yeah. quarter. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so, so, but what I think that people here on the podcast, and we'll get into some of the X and O stuff and, and big picture things too, but I think what people like about the podcast is Chris, not me, Chris, and his view as a writer, as someone who's been around the program and covered it for a long time, someone who grew up watching the program, someone who went to school here. You're the voice of the, the, the people. You're the voice
1: some of, the, some of the people.
0: Of the people. Of the people. And I want to give you the the format here or the, the ability to explain why you were down. It wasn't just that you were tired last week. It wasn't just that they had lost again. I'm perpetually again. tired. That's, you are. That's not
1: some new thing. You
0: had traveled to and from Raleigh, I mean, so that was part of it. A long car drive with a lot of hot takes in that car, evidently. Not um, by me. Not by you.
1: I try to sit on the hot takes.
0: You're not except for I'm
1: probably going to fire one off here pretty soon. So
0: correct me if I'm wrong here, and we'll set it up with this. You're not upset that they're losing.
1: No, I fully expected them to lose definitely two of the last three, and truthfully, after watching the first half of the season, all three of them.
0: Yep, so so it's not the losing, and we've written this, both of us, before. It's not about wins and losses at this point, it's what what you're looking at, and I think you've become resigned I don't think this is you being negative. I think you're, you're frustrated with the lack of progress and growth and what that means long-term for the program. It's not just in the vacuum of the last couple of games. Is, is that fair? And I'll let you take it off from there, Chris.
1: FSU walks through the door of some of these games and isn't competitive from word go. Mm-hmm. They're put away very early. They're not playing very hard through the end. Quit looks different in different ways. Clemson game, quit was pretty no- noticeable. Truthfully, I think you can say there was some quit on Saturday. I know players played hard till the final whistle if you want to go with that narrative, but let's be honest. Notre Dame took what they wanted on the ground, and they just kept on doing it. It didn't matter. They lined up for an entire drive and ran it down FSU's throw, and FSU did nothing about it.
0: 97 yards.
1: And you can say, oh, talent and all that. No, no. At some point... You man up and you play some football.
0: There's a pride element to it, and we're not seeing a whole lot of that right now. When a
1: team has no negative plays in a football game and they run, what, 75 plays?
0: Eh,
1: you basically quit in a different form. It may not be you know letting a guy run in the end zone for 20 yards without anybody near him, but you quit. Whatever. You can have semantic conversations all damn day about it. But FSU currently, as a football team, is not a competitive bunch. And they can have all the issues in the world, be a team that should lose these games, which they are, But there's a difference between losing and rolling over and playing dead. And FSU currently is very willing to roll over and play dead.
0: This is something that we've talked about before. Uh, There seems to be a, a, a fraction in the fan base with people saying, oh, this is on Jimbo. This is poor development for years. Some of
1: it is on Jimbo. And that's FSU was rolling down this hill well before Willie name came into conversation. Mm -hmm. The issue is there's been nothing done in year one to stem rolling down the hill. That that's where my issue stands. I understand there's a lot of things that have to be done to turn this program around. I'm not acting like it was going to be a quick fix. I don't believe that in any which way it's been worse than I expected year one, but I didn't expect very much from year one. The issue I have is that, Nothing is being done that seems to be setting a base for what the long-term goals of this program under Willie Taggart are. And the other issue I have is that there seems to be a lot of panic in the room. Yep. And that's not from people covering it or the fans. I'm talking about the people that help to navigate what this team's going to be, what they're trying to become. There seems to be panic in the room. There's decisions that honestly seem idiotic. We can get into that. Yep, you know, we will. You know, you know, quarterback decisions yep. and I'm not talking about starting DeAndre over James as much as I'm talking about why does it take until Friday to make that decision and leave your team in limbo for a whole week. Yep. We saw a coach handle a quarterback decision very well after the Notre Dame game. If you don't know what I'm talking about, go watch Brian Kelly's press conference when he's asked about Ian Book. The minute he's healthy he's gonna play for us. If that's the situation with DeAndre Francois and that's how the head coach explained it after the game, then that should have been what was said on Monday. Not what it took until Friday for people to report based on sources and not know until kickoff on Saturday. Mm -hmm. It's foolish. It's dumb. And it's causing inner issues within the program with players and with people associated with those players. That's going to cause long-term issues potentially if it keeps flourishing. That's stupid. You're creating more problems instead of making quick solutions. I just don't get it. I don't think the direction of the program is very good. I'm not really convinced coaching is very good personally. And at this point, I'm not really convinced that year two is all of a sudden going to see this upswing because he's done it in the past at lesser programs. I'm just not convinced of that. I, I'm in a position where currently with this football team, I have very little reason for optimism going forward.
0: And that's and that's why Chris was a little bit cranky last week. Uh, and everything you just said, I think, is very valid. I don't I don't think there was anything you just had in that riff there that that I would disagree with. And and we'll get into that now. I guess is the. You mentioned the direction of the program. To me, and you wrote a little bit about this after the game, the concern I have is what is the direction? Uh, other, than it, other than losing right now, which, again, some of that was inherited. There were a lot of issues that the staff inherited that weren't necessarily going to be fixed first year. We thought that maybe talent could override some of those issues and that Willie getting chemistry uh, together, which is something that he's been noted for in previous stops would help. Uh, But by his own admission, uh, they haven't been able to weed out some of that losing, a lot of that losing. Uh, In fact, that seemed to keep seeping into the program further and further as this season progresses. Part of it is, yeah, they don't have a good offensive line. The offensive line that they had going into the year wasn't going to be great by any means, and the fact you've had the injuries you've had has limited what you can do. You don't have quarterback that that can run your system the way you want it and that way you're comfortable calling it. That's problematic. The linebackers have been exposed to them the last couple weeks, and that's... That causes issues on both the front end and the back end of the defense too when they're as much of a liability as there are. There are issues that aren't this staff's fault. But allowing for some of the same mistakes to be made over and over again, for guys to not being able to get lined up correctly,
1: uh, having, time having, having to Which burn timeouts, timeouts.
0: Yep. Uh, ten games into the season, that's the stuff to me that I think is is concerning. You know, people want to make it again like a like a Jimbo Willie thing. no. It's it's both at this point. A bad situation was inherited, and very little has been done to fix it. And my concern, let's get into this, Chris, is the lack of clarity of, of direction. I like that Willie, when he came in, was regarded as someone who was flexible and can change. Uh, but he's I, done
1: some of that, Walt it, Bell taking play-calling duties, even though it sounds like he's still a little handcuffed in that regard.
0: Yeah, it's not a full uh, you while know, Bell's not completely the the play-caller. He's not either. autonomous. Yeah. Um, there, there has been some of that, but I think— you know, what what's come with making those adjustments in personnel, which we've seen, like that's good they've they've been willing to is it doesn't seem like there's a consistent end game for it. They're still trying to figure stuff out with who they have personnel wise, uh, what they can do schematically. And again, we're ten games into the season. To me, that shows a lack of planning, and and I think maybe more importantly, a lack of foresight from what they had beat at the beginning of the year and what they kind of evaluated going into the season from the off season.
1: I don't know what FSU is doing right now that's helping them to be better for 2019.
0: Hmm. Correct. I. I mean, we could let's. You want to get in the quarterbacks because I think that's part of the conversation. Well, that whole
1: situation last week was mishandled. Yeah. I, it, I'm indifferent on who started. I don't think FSU plays much differently regardless of who plays. Maybe the scoreboard looks a little different, but at the end of the day, I don't think it changes win or loss. Mm-hmm. So it didn't matter. I didn't really care. But you can't essentially say on Monday that, oh, we're going to let practice this tournament, and then after the game say, well, he was healthy, he was definitely our guy. Like, no, that's two different things. Mm-hmm. Be consistent. And if if you knew you were going with DeAndre on Monday as long as he was healthy, just say that on Monday. Yeah. I, I just a, think he, it's worse because it caused – without getting too behind the scenes with people we talk to. It caused issues in the camp of the other quarterback because there's a lot of narratives of oh he wants a red shirt, he won't play. No, that's not true. If he was going to be playing and was going to be a significant contributor, he does not give a damn about the red shirt. Mm-hmm. He also doesn't want to burn the red shirt so to just play when it's 42 to 13 in the fourth quarter. So the narrative somewhere in between there with what people want it to be. You know, it, it's just it be direct. Just be direct. Be simple. Quit making issues for yourself that don't need to be there when you have plenty of issues you need to clean up.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, and Willie doesn't necessarily have – he doesn't owe you or I or – I mean, I guess that's the – He owes it to
1: his football team and the players, and they didn't know till Friday.
0: That's my point is, yeah, the, it's one thing for him to not talk through the media and give any kind of what he would say like a competitive edge to Notre Dame or anything like that. That I understand to, to not say this is exactly what's happening. Um, but the fact that the team internally didn't have a, a great field and didn't know until Friday afternoon, Friday evening, a day before the game, I think that's concerning. I think that's concerning that guys were you know, practicing blind, more or less, for the entire week. And I think it became clear by the end of the week that it was going to be DeAndre based on the, the way the snaps were being distributed. But again, you're trying to find leadership. You're talking about guys setting an example and and having some set of you know, routine uh, to, to kind of help figure out leadership for this program. That's not how you do it. That, I guess that's what confuses me, and there's contradiction in, in the message versus the actual follow-through.
1: And there's it's a microcosm of some of the issues that have plagued them this year with things like that. Mm-hmm. You call guys quitters after Clemson, and then you retreat that back to, oh, just a few. Then it's just a couple bad eggs, but you still allow those bad eggs to be in the batch and pop- possibly spoil the rest of the batch. Mm-hmm. It's like you know there's an early message, there's a late message, The two don't convey the same message.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. There's a, there's an inconsistency there. And I think that's the biggest area of concern for me as this season has progressed is there isn't a clear direction. Uh, one week there seems like a emphasis on a youth movement. The next there's not. Um, and I get all the options aren't great right now. You look at the receivers, like you have old guys or, or you have veterans lining up incorrectly. You have young guys lining up incorrectly. Uh, the problem is that they're lining up incorrectly still, uh, but it doesn't seem to get fixed with, with experience. It seems like that's more of a systemic issue at, at this yeah. point. And, and so I guess my point being, pick if you wanna if you're gonna be young and you're gonna have mistakes, just go for it, man. Don't go back and forth, back and forth at this point. I think that's been, uh, to me, that's been alarming that there hasn't been. It's almost seemed like there's been panic, uh, and we've got an indication internally that that you're not like Argh! screaming panic, but feeling they talk
1: about staying the course internally and
0: there's not a course but the
1: issue is that the course isn't really defined
0: Mm -hmm. yep i I think that's that's the issue
1: post-game press conferences have become rinse and repeat Mm -hmm. you know one week it's 16 penalties next week it's you know laying the ball on the ground every week it's we start slow it's just the same thing over and over and over and it's There's no growth to point to. There's no reasons for optimism to point to. You can have a belief all you want that he is a program builder and it will get better and he has to do it through his recruiting. But if you keep losing in a miserable fashion on the football field, recruiting gets really tough for you, and that hurts with program building. So it's all all intertwined. And I just think currently FSU's done a poor job of creating a baseline of what their foundation of their future is going to be. It has not done a good job sending messages through their actions of, you know, how they're going to go about turning this around and what they're going to do and how they're going to rebuild the program.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I, I think it's counterproductive for them internally to do that. I think if you show a youth movement that you take your lumps and say, you know, we're playing for the future, we're trying to get better, we have to have help at EO line and the linebacker, they don't say enough how bad their O-line and linebackers are. And I know trouncing on kids that are on your team isn't always good, but holy hell, you need to do a sales job on that O-line. They're awful. They're incredibly bad. There's very few guys on that O-line who are going to help you in 12 months. So kind of selling them down the river, it is what it is. You need a sales job to recruits that you have to have O-linemen, how desperate the need is. And you convey that to the kid when he steps on campus. But if that gets banged into their head constantly when they're researching the school, when they talk to people associated with the school who aren't on the staff, when they talk to the staff, if you hear the same message over and over and over and over, it tends to, you know, have a little more bearing than just hearing it from the one person who's trying to recruit you to be on their team.
0: Are you as someone who covers recruiting? Are you concerned about what this season I think is currently they're on the Razor's edge. Okay.
1: Uh, I don't think it's panic button time with recruiting. They have a class of guys that are fairly solid, as solid as you can be to a four and six football team. But there's a lot of schools knocking on the doors. You know, Nick Cross going to Georgia on his own dime is a concern. You
0: know yeah. he's probably yeah, gonna show up back there official. as an official
1: yep. Auburn, you know, if they miss on uh, the linebacker from Mississippi who FSU tried to recruit, not Nakobe Dean, but uh, Derek Hall, uh-huh. they're probably going to go all in on Curtis Fan. They comparatively feel like they're both Buck players. So I think you might see Auburn really trying to make a push there with Fan Fan and Deloach are somewhat connected. Auburn's already involved with Deloach, uh-huh. as is Michigan and Alabama. You know, we saw the thing early in the season with Howell, but that's very much calmed down. I still believe Howell's very much tied to Walt Bell and where that direction goes which at this point, I guess, is staying with FSU for at least a short term. Um, But yeah, there's reasons for concern. And then the big targets that they're trying to close with, you know, things with Kavon have slipped here in recent weeks. There's concern with Will Putnam, who still has a visit to Clemson coming up this weekend. Tyler Davis is another guy who's kind of gone quiet here, but it's very much a tight battle between FSU and Clemson. And, while one looks like a national championship contender, and the other one's not contending for much. So, yeah, recruiting is in a tough place, and they need to have good clients. That staff was uh, brought in numero uno because they were a recruiting staff. They have to nail that in this process. They have to be good at that. To rebuild this roster, to improve offensive line, linebacker, and other deficiencies, they have to recruit at a high level. So if that falters, it's kind of like a, you know, what are we doing here type of situation. I- Willie's got problems. <laughs> Lots of them. And I, I just don't feel like he's done a great job of trying to find solutions 10 games into the season, 10 months into his career. here.
0: My concern with the recruiting is on some of the names you mentioned, those are guys they've invested a lot of time in, they've been in on. you know they put themselves in a position to at least be competitive here late in the recruiting process for them. On the offensive line, if they miss on on some of the guys that they've – like a Putnam who they've invested a ton in, I don't know what the backup plans are. Uh, and I think that's concerning, as we at least here in you know mid November we haven't seen indications that that board is really broadening a ton. Uh, so either they one feel really really good about what the, the that they're going to get those
1: guys. Well, we've seen them dabble with some JUCOs. The yeah. DN came into picture after Caveon. He's supposed to come in this weekend. Sam, the Ole Miss commitment. Um, we know they're dabbling with offensive linemen, but the problem with JUCOs is that JUCO is a tough recruitment. It's a very short-term thing, and it's all about, one, do I have playing time, and, two, is it the right fit for mm-hmm. me, and, three, does it prepare me for the next level rapidly? Because most of them have a one- to two-year window. Some have two- to three, depending on if they registered when they arrived at their JUCO. So it's, JUCO recruiting is a very, very tough sell, and JUCOs are also kind of a 50-50 proposition And very much band aids. They don't help you long term, but they can help you short term most times.
0: And I think you've said this before. There's a reason why they're in JUCO, though. Typically, most times. So you're rolling the dice even more than I think you normally would, uh, and you're doing it to to try to put a quick band aid over a a a large gash. I guess I I don't know why the offensive line, like why it doesn't look like they're going to take eight guys on that group. Because at this point, you might as well. you're, You're just throwing stuff up against the wall and seeing what sticks. You're just trying to get as many bodies as possible. I know we're not fans of that that broad recruiting uh, approach and then going short the next year, but I think you have to overinvest at this point to fix what's been a ton of attrition and and really poor development uh, that, again, you inherited.
1: Landon Dickerson can't stay healthy. Cole Minshew can't stay healthy. Bavion Johnson hasn't properly developed. Arthur Williams gone after this year. Mm -hmm. Uh, Juwan Williams currently doesn't look like a guy who's properly developing. Derek Kelly gone after this year. What do you look at on your O line and go, man, that's the base for next year's team? That's the offensive line. Is is it actually possible FSU's O line could be worse next year yes. than this year? I mean, yes, it is that's possible. Tough I don't know if fathom it's going to happen. When, but it's maybe, maybe the worst in college football. But that, and it's not going to get fixed by this recruiting class. It's not like bringing recruits in this year all of a sudden, oh, man, the O line's so much better for next year. But it's creating a baseline for how you do and improve it going forward.
0: It's just there's. I think that's some of why. I don't want to speak for you but we, we chat enough about this you know when we don't have a microphone um, and why there, there's some bleakness to your out, outlook on this program right now Chris is that none of it seems like it's a one-year fix I do want to open up the possibility for like okay if Willie gets a quarterback that that fits in his system better that, that could help I don't expect
1: it to be a one-year fix but there needs to be you need that at some point go from declining to inclining and FSU currently is very much declining
0: yeah, and I don't understand what, why there's all these excuses for it, too. Like, they, they haven't been managed well this season. They're going in the wrong direction. Uh, yeah, He obviously deserves time because I... I and he's going to you, get three years. I pitched this to you a week ago, and you kind of like, eh, but... I think FSU fans have to start looking at this program in the way Willie's you know, going to have a chance to rebuild it as what he did at Western Kentucky at USF. I don't know you don't want to hear that your name is being mentioned in in that category, but the limitations that were inherited on offensive line uh, have set you back. Right now this is the worst ranked team in Florida by the S&P+. Plus. Uh, so that's taken in you know strength of schedule. It's adjusting for a lot of different things there. And this is a team that's worse than FIU right now. So you're going to have to be patient. Uh, you want to see improvement from, from Willie, and you haven't seen him really bring that out of that out of this team, especially in the last few weeks. They've been exposed by good, competent, well-run programs. Remember when we thought
1: run defense was good at FSU? They've Man. only given up about 600 yards in their last three games. One thing I'll say. That NC, that NC State exploited them, out-schemed Harlan Barnett, took it to them with the running game, yep. and Notre Dame just went and copied their homework and did it to them too. Yep, and just you know who's going to really do it? B.C. because they block at the second level better than about any team in the country and they have an offensive line that all five guys have played every game together this year and have a ton of continuity and know what the hell they're doing. Oh, yeah, and they also have a great running back who hopefully for their sake is healthy.
0: <laughs> As we said after when we were trying to figure out the bowl eligibility is – you know, if they did lose to Notre... After the NC State game, if they did go up to the lose to Notre Dame and assumed it could be a really ugly game and it turned out to be that, then all of a sudden you're coming back home on a three-game losing streak. You've lost all those games by almost a combined 100 points. And then you get A.J. Dillon coming in to run, to do smash-mouth football. You get 230 pounds coming at you every single play. Um, shoot, man. It, it It's frustrating to see the lack of growth. Again, wins and losses we wrote this a long time ago that that was kind of thrown being thrown out the window by the limitations they've had not having clear direction not having incremental growth man that's it's tough i don't i don't know what to I, I think some people get frustrated that we're being negative and i don't think it's negative i'm just trying to be transparent i don't see the room for optimism right now what is there to be positive about i don't know i don't know and that's what i think people want to say that it wasn't this is not everyone i don't enjoy going negative I don't enjoy watching
1: my alma mater yeah. and the school that I've covered for damn near 20 years look like complete crap on the football field.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Wins and losses, not doesn't matter. Be competitive. Don't blow your own foot off constantly. Yep. Don't do stupid things. Maybe bring some organization to your pregame routine. You could watch the two teams on Saturday doing pregame and tell which one was there to win a football game and which one was just there to hang out in Indiana for a day. I, I'm just, I'm over it. it <laughs> Show me a direction.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I'll buy back in if you show me a direction, but currently I'm selling.
0: You know what? I'm happy with what we've done this year, you and I. It's not the stories we've written. It's the stories we haven't written. Uh, and we try to be transparent here and, and not blow smoke up our, our leaders or, or uh, listeners or readers' butts. But
1: he took listeners and readers. I combined into one. one,
0: and I was trying to think of, did I just do that? And, did. and how did you that word sound? Dropped. And is that something I can use moving forward? No. No, no pro- probably not. But... This was something that I don't think you and I thought they were going to get their their just run the last three weeks. I don't think we thought it was going to be quite this ugly. Going Um,
1: going into the season when I thought FSU was going to be much better than they've been, despite the deficiencies that we knew they had, I thought they would lose at least two of those three. I thought Clemson was a drastically better yeah, a team. Than the, again,
0: it's not about the winning losing. And it's going to Notre
1: Dame in the cold season with a pretty good Notre Dame ball club. Mm-hmm. That Notre Dame team's kind of weird. You watch Clemson, you get why they're so good. They have a lot of superstar talent. You watch Notre Dame, especially with Wimbush at quarterback. There's not a ton of guys that, like, blow you away. But Miles Boykin, really good receiver. Al- Elise Mack, really good tight end. Dexter's a hard runner. That defense as a whole just plays well together. Jerry Tillery's really good at line of scrimmage. You got Coney and uh, Drew uh, I'm forgetting Drew's last name, their Buck very good at second level their mm-hmm. defensive backs compete really hard, do a good job of being physical playing the ball and their special teams don't blow anything up you know they do a good job of doing their job on special teams. So like it, I get why Notre Dame's currently number three in the country but the gap between what those two teams optically look like Clemson and Notre Dame. It's drastic, but yeah, going into season, I didn't think FSU would go up there and win.
0: Well, I guess my point being though is that there there were some signs coming that this was going to start happening, uh, and. and you and I kind of foresaw it and didn't want to overhype people. And I just don't want to be perceived as negative. But like, Whoa. we're not out here saying – I don't want to name names. We're not out here saying that FSU's defensive line was a leap like Clemson's. Yeah. The, we were not here Leading
1: say, up to Clemson, that was a narrative around B, and it was dumbfounding to me.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: The, FSU's defensive line has not recorded a sack since the Clemson game started.
0: They've gone three games without a sack.
1: Brian Burns is – Close to elite, and truthfully, most of this year he had played at an elite He's level. probably
0: the best pass rusher in the country, at least in But it
1: very much falls off a cliff after him. Yep. With Marvin Wilson probably being the next name out of my mouth when mm-hmm. I'm talking about that. DeMarcus Christmas has done next to nothing this season. Mm-hmm. Corey Darden has shown flashes. It's promising. J-Rob, there's flashes here and there, but it's not consistent. Same with Kando. Wally oh. Amy's been pretty much an afterthought. Fred Jones played pretty well before the Miami game, got banged up, hasn't been worth a whole lot since. I think he's still playing pretty injured, truthfully. So that D-line, eh, it's not very good. And God knows the guys behind him in that front seven do nothing to help the cause.
0: That's what's been exposed the last couple weeks against good offenses is your defensive line had good depth and had a couple guys playing at a really high level, wasn't a lead across the board, but had good players. Um, But they've been exposed – because if they're not just completely dominating up front, they don't have the linebackers that are able to completely fill gaps quickly. And they're not getting help on the back end either from the safeties. So that no. that position has looked
1: bad too. Yeah, guys taking bad angles, guys getting way too far down and walling themselves off, allowing running holes, you know, at point B to be very big and just explode. Yep. I mean go back and watch the Dexter Williams touchdown runs. It the defensive execution by FSU where it's they're terrible. not set, eyes aren't in the right places where guys are going, the way guys are the the spacing is horrible by FSU, mm-hmm. and the reaction by defensive players is horrible mm-hmm. by FSU. It's it's not a good thing to watch. It's
0: <laughs> and people want to yell at just one person. It's not no, one. no. It's, 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 it's there's a it's systemic issue, and that I, I mean AJ Westbrook
1: is playing horrendous and getting picked on. It
0: yeah, that's front
1: page news with how he's being picked on. But Cyrus Baggs way too deep on a couple of those runs. Mm-hmm. Leonard Warner's out of position. Dontavious Jackson's eyes are moving the front four get walled off but there's no help. for him there's China. one
0: on the second on the second Williams touchdown run the long one that he had as the play's going on Cyrus Figgins is running downhill holding on to his mouthpiece with one hand like what are we what are we doing here um and I don't know the answer to the question losing right now
1: so dude losing what, football what happens against BC in Florida
0: uh I, I, I may pick Boston College or FSU to beat Boston College just because I'm a masochist and think that they're going to continue to give give us enough hope to think this team's going to go bowling and we're going to have to cover a, a bowl game. But uh, but no, largely, I, FSU can beat either of those teams. Yeah, either one of them is great. I think both of them are a step back from what they played. The last three. At least two of the last three weeks. Yeah. Um, and the, these games are at home. That'll help. But, again, the – question I have is with the direction of the team. I think they should have gone with James Blackman uh, to end the season. I, I don't understand the benefit of trying to hold out for a red shirt for him if that's the narrative. I don't believe that's entirely the case. I know James Blackman is a competitor. I know he wants to be out there playing. That's one thing to say, you know, uh, yeah, I'll take a red shirt. I don't want to play mop-up duty. Right. I don't want to be a break in case of emergency. Um, but he's someone who's ready to play and willing if you're going to commit to him and Willie hasn't committed to him. And I think that's been a huge mistake. Um, if he were, if he had another week to play and you got the game plan around him and build some cohesiveness with him in the offense, I'd probably feel a little bit better about this. But right now, Andre didn't. The Andre didn't play terribly. He didn't play poorly.
1: He didn't get help by his receivers either. He dropped plenty
0: of balls. Yeah, he did. He correct. Um, but there's something about chemistry and, and it's 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 intangible. So it's hard to quantify. Uh, I guess intangible is impossible to quantify. But <laughs> by definition. Uh, but, yeah, I would feel better if, if I thought that this team had an identity or at least some direction on offense. I know the limitations with the run game and, and the receivers didn't help by dropping the ball, but if they kind of keep going out and do what they've been doing, um, the teams look competent on offense once in the last three games. Do the, the, do the math there. The being
1: latched on a DeAndre thing has been kind of dumbfounding to me all year, and I'm, I'm done trying to figure it out. Mm-hmm. It, uh, it is what it is, you know. It's
0: it's stupid. It is. It's a
1: Willie DeAndre thing, and I don't think it's gonna be explained. It's not
0: stupid. It's nonsensical, is what I should oh. say. It doesn't make sense to me. It's really confusing.
1: As for BC, Florida. I mean, Zach Allen, White, Ray worried the heck out of me with FSU trying to protect a quarterback. Those are, or those are They're are am sorry, I'm
0: looking at Twitter and there's some Boston College's DNs. Yeah. Yeah. Zach Allen's um,
1: a stud. And White Ray's very good. I think yeah. White's got nine or ten sacks on the season. He's a Florida boy. He's going to play his butt off. If A.J. Dillon is healthy, I don't feel FSU wins. Um, we'll see how healthy he is. Anthony Brown, our quarterback, also got banged up thanks Dude's to Christian I'm Wilkins. Destroyed. We'll find out more about that today around noon when Adazio speaks. Mm-hmm. Um, with Florida, I, I, I mean, I just I struggle to just flat out say, oh yeah, Florida's going to come in Tallahassee and win when I don't think that's a particularly good Florida team. I do know this: Florida has at least some idea of what they're trying to be. They're not always consistently it week to week, and Dan Mullins willing the scheme, so I think it will be an interesting game. I don't think Florida's all that good personally. But they're playing a lot better than FSU. They find that's even to... with some losses yep. and escaping Saturday. They really didn't play very well of what I watched at the South Carolina game. But they nope. found a way to win.
0: Something to be said for, for that. And I think, uh, like you said, they have. You, we talk I don't I... feel
1: optimistic on the bullshit continually.
0: No. Why, why? I'm not
1: 8.8% like ES, ESPN's FPI made up metrics. But I, uh, I, I don't feel confident. I'm probably about a forty-nine point five percent. Oh, Actually, no. Would, no, no, yeah. I'm, I'm lower than that because that's probably for one win. I'm forty-nine point five percent for one win.
0: Wait, so you think one there's win. yeah one. Win. So you think there's a fifty percent chance to win one game? Yeah, I said forty-nine point five. I'm, I'm, All right, no, no but so that's you basically like giving them like a like a twenty-five percent chance then of going bowling. Is that how that math works? Uh, sure. It doesn't yeah. look great. It doesn't look really promising. I will say if they go ahead and they win the next two games, yeah, then all of a sudden you feel good about it because you're beating two decent teams and you get to go to a bowl game, and yeah, great, good stuff. El um,
1: Paso in December, nothing like it.
0: One, two, three, not it. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be a day in, day out type of type yeah. of deal. Um, I think it's important to see how the, the season ends if you can find some modicum of stability to, to build on going into the Going into the offseason and the look on your face says it all, I don't know if that's possible based on what we've seen. I don't know why we would believe that's going to happen. I'm not saying it can't happen, but based on the evidence that's been put out in front of you, and that's why I don't think they're going to be able to go bowling. I mean, that's why I'm fine with them kind of turning the page on the season and, and purging. I think that Willie should have done that more aggressively after the Clemson game. If he truly believed players were quitting, I think he should have separated himself and moved on from from guys who were suspended. To, don't don't suspend guys for a second time. What are we doing here? Uh, the lack of direction, the lack of a clear message, has been really frustrating. I think Willie is has the ability to really build a, a special program, but he's shown indecisiveness far too much for me. This. This season, And and he's going to have to do a lot of evaluation, I think, of of what he wants and what he wants in his program moving forward. I think he's kind of this moment, this, this program, the magnitude of this job and coupled with the poor start has really kind of frazzled him. And we're kind of seeing a guy who doesn't have a clear direction to me that that's what you should be concerned about more than anything else at this point.
1: I got nothing else.
0: Guys, thanks for listening to the Knowles 24 7 podcast. I don't know if this is more upbeat, but Chris, thank you for being a little bit more engaged. I'm
1: confident my brother won't text me wondering if I'm okay.
0: Uh, yeah, now Justin has a, uh, like a, every week now I ask Justin to uh, text Chris on Sundays and make sure he's doing okay <laughs> and, and in a good place headed into the week. So yeah. two more weeks, guys, two more weeks. All right, thanks for listening to the Knowles 24 7 podcast. This is Brendan Sinone. Chris, thanks for joining me. We'll talk to you guys next week.